Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. One thing I wanted to mention before I get started today, um, Todd and Nikki Owens, who are missionaries in Kenya that we uh, had here as our youth pastor for a long time, and, and uh, we support them, love them. They're going to be here on July the 21st, July 21st, and they're going to be speaking in morning service. And then after the morning service, we're going to be having a taco dinner, taco tacos for lunch in the fellowship hall and family life center. Uh, we're all invited to be a part of that. They said they've been missing the tacos. So that's why we're going to do tacos for them. And we're going to have a good time. And so be here and invite those that you might see that maybe you were a part during that time. Tell them to come back that day and just, uh, just have a good time. We'll just be together and hear how things are going with the Owens family. I think actually all the kids that are with them are still are going to be there. I'm not sure the older ones are, but the uh, younger ones will be with them too, and it will be both of them. So make sure that you're here, and we will have a good time uh, with the Owens family. It's been a while since they've been able to be here, so we're looking forward to that. Let's, uh, let's pray together right now. Father, I, I just invite your presence into our midst. Lord, you know right now my mind is racing a hundred different directions uh, in some ways as I think about all the music that we just sang and what it means to love you and I think about all the things in our church, and I think about all the things in our world that happened this week, and Lord, it just goes on and on, and I think about the people that are hurting and, and suffering because of loss of loved ones and different things, Lord, and, and uh, maybe some that are just struggling in marriage, maybe struggling in life. Lord, you know the needs here this morning. You know what's going on in our hearts. God, this is your church. You, these people are not my people. They're your people. You love them. This is your people, your church. These are the people you went to the cross for. This is the people you died for. This is the people, Lord, that, that you have given your grace to. Lord, your, your love is like an ocean. And Lord, we are sinking down into your grace and your love right now. God, right now, just overwhelm us with your presence. Lord, would you just cover us up right now? Just blow in here and just cover us up with your presence. May we hear not the words of some weak person, but Lord, may we hear your voice speak, and may it speak with power and authority this morning. We love you, Lord. We just praise you for what you're doing, and, and we just look forward to what you are, are going to say this morning and do this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the Philippians again as we look. And I'm looking at Paul's prayer this morning. <laughs> I want to talk about that just a little bit with you this morning. Paul's prayer. You married folks that are in the room right now, and I know not everybody's married, but a lot of you are. Uh, you married folks. You probably married for love. Anybody here that married for love? This is a chance, men. Raise your hands high, high and proud, high and proud. You married for love, right, guys? Uh, you know, we got married for love. Every one of us can say that, I think. We don't live in an age where people are living in arranged marriages much, if ever, anymore in, in, our, in our country, maybe in other places, but not here. And we married for love. Um, maybe when we got married, I know when I met Darcy, I met her um, when we were in college. She was 18 and I was 
whatever, four years older than that, 22 or so, yeah, something like that. And uh, we met in, the prof- in a professor's garage. We were working on a float for homecoming, and her boyfriend brought her over to help, and that's how I met her. I appreciate that, and I thanked Don for that before. He didn't like that very much when I thanked him at the time, but that's the way it goes. And, um, you know, I met her. She was, she was a beautiful girl. She had long blonde hair and beautiful blue eyes, and, you know, I, I just was infatuated by her immediately. And, you know, we started to date, and we got married for love. At least that's what we called it. I'm not sure it was love. It was something like love. It was probably more like not love. I'm not sure what it was. But it was a desire to be together. No, I'm not getting in trouble. <laughs> I'm not going to get in trouble, Richard. <laughs> uh, because every man here knows what I'm talking about, and every woman here knows what I'm talking about. And there's this desire that exists. And then when you get married, there's that infatuation that lasts for a while. You, you seek each other out, man. You're just together all the time, and you're enjoying that time, and it's great up till a point. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Anybody here relate to what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, it doesn't feel like love anymore. And, and love stops, and you're sitting there going, man, I don't know, maybe I, anybody here ever asked this question after you got married? Maybe I made a mistake? <laughs> you know, which is a dumb question to ask after you've already gotten married. <laughs> you know, at that point, it's too late to worry about whether you made a mistake. Well, I've asked that question, did I make a mistake? Is this really what I'm supposed to be feeling? Is this what love is? You know, because it felt a whole lot more like duty at times. It felt a whole lot more like, like there was a weight on my shoulders, and I was carrying around a ball and chain. I'm not being real honest up here. I'm not going to get in trouble because we've talked about this a lot. And, and it felt like that a little bit, you know. And then, but, but then I began to work at it. We began to love on each other. We began to care for each other. We began to live together. We began to do life together. And, and what emerged on the other side was love. But it wasn't just love. It was a love that was evolving and, 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 and a love that was enduring and, and a love that began to grow and a love that began to abound and a love that begin to be in abundance. You know, uh, right now, I can't say that I have those same infatuated kind of feelings for Darcy as I had then. I still think she's beautiful, and I still love to be with her, but it's a different kind of love. There's an abundance now in our love that wasn't there before. You know, because we've got history. We've got 30, almost 38 years of history. It'll be 38 years this next week of history together now. Yeah, thank you. 38 years together of, of loving each other and caring for each other and sometimes putting up with each other, more her than me, you know, and enduring and loving. We had to work out our marriage so that our love for the other would abound or be in abundance. And in Philippians chapter 1, that's what Paul's talking about, something very similar. It's not marriage, but it's, it's our love for Christ. And, and he's talking about that. And let me just read to you again. Uh, this part of it. It should be up on the board, uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 4. And let me read it starting in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then move down to verse 9. And this is my prayer 
In Paul's prayer, this is what he prays. This is how he prays. He prays out and he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, our Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more that your love may abound more and more. And I want to talk about that today, uh, our love and how it abounds. We looked at the idea of joy in the first uh, message that I did from Philippians. I talked about joy, how Paul lives in joy in spite of his circumstances because Paul's in prison. He's locked up in a Roman prison. He's not living in good circumstances and still he feels great joy in his heart. He's living in joy and we talked about that joy. And we talked about the fact that he lives in joy and part of his joy is is that he lives in that joy because of the partnership, the the ongoing partnership between him and the people of of Philippi, the, the people that he had led to Jesus, the people that had come to know him. He's living in joy and he's living in joy because of their partnership. They're working together with him. When he led those people way back in Acts chapter 16, Lydia down at the river, the seller of purple, when she and her household got saved, when the servant girl who he cast the demon out of accepted Christ, when he went to prison and he was in jail there in Philippi and the Philippian jailer uh, was going to kill himself because of the earthquake and because Paul was and all the other prisoners were freed and and Paul stops him and says no 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 and he hears the gospel and he's uh, he's saved he gives his life to Christ and 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 all of that Paul uh, says that he has joy because they haven't given up he had to leave soon after that I talked about that last week he had to walk out of there he had to go uh, and leave because he was forced out of town and he left these early baby Christians, and yet their love grew and grew, and they continue to grow, and he's living in joy, and now he's praying for them. He's praying in joy for them. He's praying in in, in such happiness because they're in partnership with him, and he's praying in joy that their love will continue to grow and grow and grow. And Paul prays with joy because their partnership, and he tells them in his prayers that the love of Christ that has begun in them will continue to grow and grow in abundance. And it's not in abundance towards him because he knows they love him. They send him money. They send him people. They take care of him. We talked about that last week. But he's talking about them and their love for Christ growing and growing and growing and that they begin to just know who Christ is and that that love for Christ would just continue to grow and grow and grow. He prays that we'll come to a deeper knowledge of Jesus. I want you to hear me here. He's praying that they'll have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing and how he's living and moving and and what he's doing in the people's lives. You know, I don't think a lot of us understand this, and, and that's why I'm preaching this this morning. He's praying that they will gain more and more new and more in-depth insights into all spiritual things, that their spiritual lives will grow deeper and deeper, that they will mine deeper and deeper into it, that, that, that it won't be enough. They'll never be enough. There's an insatiable appetite for spiritual things. His prayer is that they will be filled up with the fruit of righteousness, that, that holiness and righteousness will just become what they long for. It'll be a taste they can't satisfy. They'll want more and more. They just want all that Jesus has for them. That they'll take on the righteousness of Christ. 
that they'll begin to live out that, that they'll look like Jesus all the time. Everywhere they go, they'll look like Jesus, that that righteousness that is Christ will just become who they are. When people see them, they'll see Jesus. And he's really clear that the only way that happens is when the Holy Spirit lives in us, that you can't do that on your own. See, here's the deal, and I want you to hear me clearly on this. He is not praying that they will remain. See, we do that a lot. Oh, Lord, help us not to do anything that you know, we shouldn't, and, and Lord, help me to, to stay and be good. And That's our weak little prayers. Oh, Lord, just, just help me to remain. I, I just want to get to heaven. And I, I'm guilty of that. I've prayed like that for years at times. But that is not what Paul is praying for these people, and that is not what God wants for you as a Christian right now. I want to tell you that right now. He is not praying for you to remain and hang on. He's not praying for you to stay the same. He's not praying for you to, to get to church once in a while. He's not praying for them to, 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 to have a fun little life. That is not what he wants for them. He is praying for them to experience the depths, the very depths of what it means to be a Christian. He's praying for them to go as deep as possible. He is praying for them to mine into all the truth that is God. He is praying for them to come to a place in their lives where, where they're just shaken to the very core of who they are and they can never be the same again. I've been reading a book, uh, rereading the book called Prince in Israel. It's the story of Phineas Brzee and it's his, his biography and and it, it, it's a story of the man who helped begin the Church of the Nazarene. Some of you recognize the name Phineas Brzee. He lived back in the 1800s before the Civil War and all the way through to the first of the 1900s and began the Church of the Nazarene. And he was a Methodist pastor. Uh, he was preaching in Iowa. He was out in the little town of Iowa somewhere and he was preaching in his charge in his church there was a small crowd that day, he said, and, and uh, he was trying to preach the best he could, and he was struggling with trying to get people to hear him, and, and they heard, but they didn't hear, and they heard, and they didn't hear, and, and he said it just was a struggle. He tried to get some of them to pray and, and, and maybe come to the altar. Nothing was happening, and his heart began to grow heavy, and he realized maybe it was his time to go to the altar. And the book says that he went down to the altar, and Phoenix Brzee began to pray and began to seek God at a deeper level and something happened to him that day. He was filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that he was never the same again. God changed him. That's what Paul is praying for all of us there. He is not praying for us to just hang on and remain. He doesn't want us to stay the same. We're not going to church just to maintain our, our, our ticket so that we can get to heaven. He wants us to grow. How long has it been since you could say, I've been growing as a Christian? How long has it been since you can say, I am making strides toward becoming more and more like Christ? How long has it been since you can really say that I learned something new, that I gasped, grasped a hold of something brand new, and that God is doing something fresh and something new in me? Because if he's not doing something new in you today, I'm going to tell you folks, you're dying. Because dying things die, they don't grow, and growing things don't die, they grow. I'm a dying thing. I'm not growing. I'm only growing fatter. I'm not growing in the way that you need to grow to stay alive. I'm past that peak in my life. I'm, I'm the wilting flower of dime, you know? It's the way it is. But as a Christian, I'm growing and growing. 
As a Christian, I'm seeking out the Word. I read the Word over and over again. I study it. I pray over it. I ask the Holy Spirit to open it up. And He reminds me of some things and He, re- he gives me something brand new. And, and I'm growing. And I'm, I'm not just going, wow, I learned something new. But I'm applying it to my life. I'm adding it on. See, you know, if you're still living like you did when you first got saved, if you're still saying, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, I got saved. Well, that's great, but you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not growing, you're not doing what God wants you to do. It should be a daily growing in the faith. That's what Paul was wanting for them. He's praying that they will experience growth and to participate in, to continue to partner with him and Christ in the gospel. See, if if you're not, if you're growing just so that you can say, I'm growing, if you're reading all kinds of books and you're studying, you go, man, I'm learning all kinds of stuff. I know so much. But you're not partnering in the gospel, then you're not doing what Paul's asking you to do. He is saying to you and to me, to all Christians, this is not just to pastors here, to everyone, you're supposed to be growing in the faith. It should be a daily growing, growing, growing. And as you grow, you partner in the gospel. You use what God has given you to change lives all around you. What he's calling us to. So Paul picks up this theme of love because that's really what I want to talk to you about here. I, I just give you the, uh, the background of it, but he's talking to us about love. He says that he wants their love, that your love may abound more and more. So he picks up this theme of abundant love or love that's growing in chapter two. You go over to chapter two of Philippians and skip over to chapter two if you would. And he says this, having the same love as that of Jesus Christ. And Paul's asking them, if you're living in the goodness and the abundance of Christ, if in your life you're experiencing and have been comforted by his love, if you're living in fellowship and partnership with his spirit, let me, let me read it for you. It says, if you have any encouragement from being, uh, from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. And each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he goes on, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And he goes on, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, and not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So he's, he's asking them to live in the goodness or the abundance of Christ, if in life you've experienced been comforted by His love. So if you've experienced any of these things in your life, and, and how many of you know what I'm talking about? When you were saved, you experienced His love, you experienced His comfort, and now as you live that out, you experience His love, you experience His comfort in life. You're living in fellowship, you're living in partnership with the Holy Spirit, filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then the love of Christ living in you should spill it out of you, and it should look like Jesus. So many... So let me ask you a question right now. 
Because many of you would say, well, yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm sanctified. I've lived in the Nazarene church long enough to know that, that most of our people like to say they're sanctified. Let me ask you a question. Is the Holy Spirit spilling out of you? And when it spills out of you, does it look like Jesus? Because the truth is, is what's inside of you when you are shaken is what will splash out. If I put water in a cup and it splashes, Pepsi doesn't fly out. Water flies out, right? Whatever's inside of you is what's going to come out. When you have those bumps in the road, I, I remember right after I bought the, not the truck I've got now, but, a, but the previous truck, it was a 93 Chevy. I bought that thing, it looked like brand new. It was such a pretty truck, and it had a, some miles on it, but it was great. Got it really good price. Took it over, showed it to my mom. She was alive at the time, and she said she wanted to go somewhere, and she had a cup of coffee in her hand, and I knew. She's going to spill that coffee in my truck. Because she didn't have one of them tumblers, those nice ones with the top. She just had a cup of coffee. I hit a bump and coffee came out all over the rug of that truck. Never looked the same again. Always had coffee spots. But, you know, what's in you is what's going to come out. When you hit the bumps in the road, when you hit life, that stuff is going to come out. That's what Paul's talking about here. And he's saying is, is that, that, that when you hit those bumps, is what is coming out of you? And he's, he's praying for them to experience growth and participate in continuing to partner with him and, and Christ. And, and so he, he's asking, when you hit those bumps, are you growing into that place where when you hit those bumps, the coffee comes out or the Holy Spirit comes out and you look like Jesus? See, here's the deal. In John chapter 13, verse 34, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to tell you about that one. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus is finishing up with the disciples here on earth. He's preparing to get ready to go into the crucifixion and everything else. And he's talking to them. He says, now I've given you some commandments. And the first one was love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know that. And then later on, he says, oh, and by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and you know that. And he said, in fact, everything hangs on those two. And he He's letting them live on that. And then finally, here he is. He's saying, now, now I want to sum that all up for you. Let me, let me tell you about my whole teaching. Everything, I'm going to sum it all up for you in one command so that you know exactly how to live. He said, here's the command. Love each other as I've loved you. Now, I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. Now, I want to show you something here. See, Paul's picking that theme up. That's, Paul has heard that now. Paul's been taught. Paul's learned. And he has listened to Jesus. And he has understood now that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to look like Jesus. When, when my life hits a bump, Jesus should splash out of me. I should love like Jesus loves. I, I should just look like Jesus all the time. So he says uh, this, he says, picking up on that theme, he says, if you're a believer and have experienced and are experiencing the goodness of Christ's love, then you need to partner with to allow your love to abound more and more. You need to love others as Christ loved you. And then Paul outlines exactly how Christ loved us all. And if you have your Bible still open to Philippians chapter 2, look at it one more time. Jesus did not consider being in very nature God, equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death. That's how Jesus loved you. By the way, you need to understand this. This should be racking us. This should be tearing our heart out. This is the Son of God Himself. See, someplace along the way, God looked down at His creation and all the sin, and He said, got to do something. Got a plan. And He went to His Son, Jesus, who was equal with Him in every way, 
And he said, I need you to do this. And Jesus said, I will, because I love them so much, and we want them with us. I love that song, He Didn't Want Heaven Without Us. That's one of my favorite songs. He didn't want heaven without us. Man, I just don't understand that. But he didn't want heaven without us. He sent heaven down. And that's what he did. And he took on our lives. And he took on our brokenness. And he took on our sins. And he took on our everything about us. And he gave up his life for us. Even to death on a cross. And he humbled himself and became a servant. A servant. The Son of God became a servant. See, you know, we looked at that and we go, yeah, well, he just became a man. That's not that bad. I'm a man. The man's pretty good, right? See, we don't understand. He's God. He's God. He's not man. He's God. He's well beyond us in every way. He's superior to us in every way. And he became one of us. He humbled himself and became one of us. Let me ask you a question. Do you love people as Christ loved you? Because if you do, you're going to do exactly the same thing. You're going to humble yourself. You're not going to consider hanging on to your position as something to be grasped hold of. You say, but I'm, I've worked hard to get where I'm going. I, I've got money and I've got a nice house now and I, I live in America and I've got things and whatever and you can go on and on and we've all been blessed and okay, that's great. But let me ask you a question. But see, if you're hanging on to that, you're not being like Jesus. You can get mad about that if you want to, but that's exactly what that means. If you're hanging on to all the possessions of this earth and saying, no, no, sir, this is mine and I'm hanging on to it, then you are not living like Jesus lived. He gave up heaven to come to earth. He humbled himself. He became a man. If you're hanging on to life and you're hanging on to your position and not being willing to humble yourself and go to whoever and wherever there is need. I'm going to tell you something. When, when we get to have the opportunities like Al was talking about this morning where we get to go and serve others, it's not a, boy, look at me, I'm humbling myself and I'm going down and I'll help them a little bit. But, but I'm talking about where we place ourselves at them and say, we're not better than them. We're not better than you. We're not doing this so we'll feel better about ourselves. We're doing this because we love you and we become one of you that day in every way. That's what the normal Christian life looks like. See, the normal Christian life isn't me just doing whatever I want, watching whatever I want, and experiencing life at any level that I want to, being happy and saying, oh, I've got what I want, and I've got everything, and oh, I'm going to go to heaven, and it's great, and oh, it's too bad about those people. The normal Christian life looks like me laying down my life and taking up Christ and becoming just like Him and being willing to die and being willing to die. See, when we talk about sanctification and we say you have to die to yourself, most of us aren't really too excited about that. That whole idea of dying to ourselves, oh no. But then we just pass that off, well, that's just one of those preacher talk things. That's not. Jesus really wants you to die. He wants you to die to yourself. He wants you to set aside yourself. He wants you to put you and all your ambition and all your stuff on the shelf. Does that mean he's going to take it all away and you're never going to work where you work? And all? No, that doesn't mean that. It means that you're dead to it, that that's not your reason for living. That's not your purpose in life. That's not who you are anymore. You have one purpose, and it's Jesus. 
It's Jesus. It's not being comfortable. And that means that it doesn't matter what they sing in church. It doesn't matter what they do. And it doesn't matter if I like it or don't like it. Because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And if we're trying to reach other people for Jesus, we're behind it. And if we're not, then we're not. If you're not trying to reach people for Jesus, if you're just doing it because it's comfortable, because I mean, you know, I like it like that, then we're not behind it. That's wrong. Because it's all about Jesus. Everything's about Him. That's what we're striving for. That's what we're pressing into. Becoming more and more like Jesus. Living our lives to be more and more like Jesus. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Continue to work out your own salvation with, with fear and trembling. A lot of us really look at that passage and we struggle with that just a little bit. Because, I mean, we're saved by grace, right? And we sang about that today. If, the, if uh, you know, we're like an, if, faith is, if grace is like an ocean, we're all sinking, you know? And that's a great line. And I love that line. I get real goosebumps on that one. I think that's amazing, the thought of sinking into God's grace. And it's by grace that I am saved. The Bible's really clear on that. In Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that. But let me tell you something about that. While we're saved by grace, we still have to work out our salvation. And how do you work out your salvation? What does that mean? Because you don't work for your salvation. You and I cannot work for salvation. I don't care how good I am and how hard I try. I cannot be good enough. Paul talks about that. He says, all my hard work is really just filthy rags. It's dung. It's garbage. All the great things that we do when we do Secret Family Christmas or when we do the shoes or when we go to the mission or when we serve the neighbors or whatever it is that we do when, when people need help, all that's filthy garbage if that's what you're doing is trying to work out or, or trying to work for your salvation. It's meaningless. It does not save you. If you're trying to save yourself by giving extra money to the church, thank you, we need the money. But it's not going to save you. It's just not. He's talking about something different here when he says, work out your own salvation. And what he's telling us here is, become like Christ. You work out your salvation by becoming more and more like Jesus. All the time, every day, we're working to become more and more like Jesus. Every day, we're dying to ourselves. Every day, we're picking up what it is like Jesus and putting that on. Every day, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in through us and wash us and cleanse us and purify us and make us ready. All the time, that's working out your salvation is becoming what Jesus was like. It's back over here where... We say we make ourselves nothing. We take on the very nature of a servant. We are made in human likeness and we're found in the appearance as a man. We humble ourselves. Uh, it might there be able to say we look at ourselves as poor. We realize our humanity and our brokenness. We are found in appearance that way and then we become obedient, even death on our own cross, the cross of Christ that we are willing to go to together question that i would have for you this morning as we wrap this up and bring it to conclusion today is this are you working out your own salvation see are you just living out day by day you think about church and you think about that on sunday 
maybe on Wednesday you come and, you know, if, if that's what you do. But you spend very little time thinking about Jesus the rest of the week. You spend very little time thinking about what it means to live out your faith the rest of the week. You don't let your faith affect your work. You don't let your faith affect your relationship with your wife or your husband or your children. You don't let your faith affect how you spend your money. You don't let your faith affect what you watch on TV or what you see in the movie theater or what you read. You don't let your faith affect your attitudes towards your employees or how you drive your car. See, when we're sanctified Christians, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're in the process of becoming all that God wants us to be, it has to change us, and it has to change us on a day-to-day basis. It has to change us on a minute-to-minute basis. It has to change everything about us. You can't say I'm sanctified when you're at church and then live like the world the rest of the time. It just doesn't work that way. Jesus gave himself fully for us. And Paul's prayer is is that our love would abound more and more. And your love abounds more and more. It grows more and more as you day by day practice living out your faith. Practice living out your faith. Practice living out your faith. Doing it all the time. Working out your salvation by practicing living out your faith. Constantly practicing, practicing, practicing. And it's not easy. Sometimes you have tough times. Sometimes people say things that are just so crazy and you just want to go what in the world is wrong with you anybody here have that this week or they pull out in front of you and you want to just kick in their doors or your wife says something that you just shake your head and go that's unbelievable or the people at church make you just insane sorry (laughs) it's true And you just want to go, what in the world are they thinking? And your world gets shaken. What's coming out when your world gets shaken? Are you becoming more and more like Jesus? Are you working out your salvation? If you're not, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's what we're about. It's not about getting to heaven. I'm going to tell you something. I, I want to go to heaven. I, I'm looking forward to it. The heaven's going to be great, you know? And the reason it's going to be great is not because it's going to be like, I can do whatever I want. It's going to be because Jesus is there. That's the only reason. Heaven's going to be great. Other than that, it's just like not all that great. It's just heaven. But when you put Jesus there, it becomes heaven. Okay? So that's why I'm excited about heaven because Jesus is going to be there. I'm going to be with him forever and I'm looking forward to that. But here's the deal. Right now, the kingdom is now and he's calling us to it now. It's not about getting your ticket punched and going to heaven. It's about living it out now. It's about becoming a part of the kingdom now and starting to live like you're in heaven right now. Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? That's what it's about right now, guys. Living that out now, doing that now. So if you're not there, that's the goal. That's the vision that Paul wants. That's what gives him joy. That's what makes his life go. That's why he can sit in prison in the midst of the horrible life that he's living. And man, it's horrible. It's a mess. And in the midst of that 
absolute filth and mess that he has to live in. He can live with joy because he's living out the life of the kingdom. He's being poured out and spilled out. And he's being like Jesus. And he can love those people. And he can celebrate the partnership because they're doing it together with him. They're not just sitting back here. They're not back there at the place where they began when he first led them to Jesus. But they're growing and they're growing and they're growing in faith. I'm going to tell you something right now. The thing that would bruise the most joy in my life is to see this church begin to live that out in every way. Not just giving a few things away and doing some nice things once in a while, but to begin to live that out where I saw it. You know, I believe that God would be pleased with that too. Now, I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe some of you are um, doing okay. Maybe some of you aren't. Maybe some of you are, are living out your faith right now and you're just, you know, you're growing by leaps and bounds. And maybe some of you aren't. Here's the deal. If you're not growing in your faith right now, you need to go to the Lord. We need to come to a place of prayer. I love the altars of the church. I'm still convinced they're an okay place. They're old-fashioned, but it's all right. Because you know what? It's a place to come and just kneel before the Father and say, hey, I need you. I need you. I'm sorry. I've messed up. I haven't done it right. I haven't been everything you wanted me to be. I haven't been seeking you like I should have been. But I'm sorry. And here's the deal. Your father, God, he's always in a good mood. Because he's a good God. I love that. He's always in a good mood. Anybody ever have a dad that wasn't always in a good mood and sometimes you just didn't want to say anything to him because sometimes he wasn't all that nice to you, you know? Right? you got a father in heaven who's always in a good mood. And no matter what you bring to him, he'll forgive you. No matter what you say to him, he'll say, okay, let's do it now. Don't worry about the past. So, I invite you to come. We're going to stand together and Nathan's going to play and just bow your heads and hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you around. Let's stand right now. Let's just bow your heads across this place right now as Nathan plays and just let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you. And if right now you know in your heart, I need to pray and I need to ask God to help me. You know, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean you're backslidden. It doesn't mean you have failed completely. It just means that right now you haven't been growing. You haven't been struggling from contending for the faith. You haven't been dying to yourself. You haven't been giving Him everything. And you know that. And you know that in your heart right now. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You just need to pray. I've had to do it. I tell you what, one of the reasons that I had to go on my little journey was to get away for a little bit so that I could come back to that because it was so easy to get so busy to doing the churchy thing that I wasn't doing what I needed to do for God. And so I began giving him that. And, and man, it's changed my life. And right now, I'm just inviting you to come. Would you come right now? Let's just pray together. If God is speaking to your heart, and we're not going to wait very long, but if God is speaking to your heart, Let's just come up here and let's pray together today before we leave and just ask Him to, to reestablish and, and, and to help us to begin to seek our salvation and begin to be all that God wants us to be. If you're one of those people right now that need to do that, please come right now. Let's just pray. Amen.
so easy to get a little off track, just a little bit. One thing I learned about off track is that when I'm flying with my friend Mark Bennett, if we get off by a couple of degrees, if you're going very far, you're going to be hundreds of miles off the track. You have to stay on track. It don't matter where you're at in your life either. You can be 100 years old. You can be 10 years old. You can be five. Right now, you need to be growing. Don't go, well, I'm 80-some years old. I'm 90 years old, so it doesn't matter. If you're not growing, you're not doing what God asks you to do. That your love may abound more and more towards Christ. Amen. Anyone else? Let's, before we go. Just ask people to come up. You don't have to pray with them. Just pray around them. Just be there to support them. If somebody would just come up and be with each person and just support them, that'd be great. Appreciate that. Ladies, if you would help me out there. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Father, we just want to thank you for this scene around the altar as people are praying, Lord, and I believe there's others maybe sitting in the pews right now that just didn't make it up here for whatever reason that are saying, man, I just feel that conviction in my own heart that I need to grow, that I'm not growing and becoming what God wants me to be. I'm not living this out. I, your love is not abounding more and more in me. I'm just kind of getting by. I'm just stagnant. But they know it, and they're saying in my, their own hearts right now, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I pray wherever they're at, whether at the altar or they're in the pews or wherever they're at right now, that, that the people who uh, you've been speaking to today, Lord, would begin to say yes to you and would surrender that fully to you and say, okay, God, do in me, through me, whatever you choose. I want to be your child. I want to be... Uh, everything that you have in mind. I want to be completely yours. I want when I'm shaken for your Holy Spirit to splash out. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to be used by you in a powerful way. I want you to have your way. Lord, right now, would you just come? Would you begin to speak to people? Would you begin to help them wherever they're at, Lord? Would you remind them of your love and your grace and your goodness? Would you remind them that you love them beyond shadow and measure of doubt lord you completely love them that you sent jesus to die lord help us to become like jesus help us to look like jesus lord you asked us you commanded us to love each other as you loved us you loved us by going to a cross lord we have to go to a cross for others help us to die to ourselves so that we can love others oh god right now help us jesus help us right now we surrender everything to you we pray for your holy spirit right now to fill Lord, refill people, Lord. We need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives right now. Holy Spirit, right now, just come and fresh fill everybody in this place, Lord. Fill us again, Lord. Fill us again. Fill us up with your presence, Lord, that we might be all that you want us to be, Lord. We don't want to just get by. We don't want to just be a church that sort of just is nice church. We want to be a radical church, a church that's on fire for you, a church that loves like Jesus, a church like no other. Lord, that's what we want. We want to be all that you have commanded us to be. Help us, Jesus, right now. We love you. We praise you. And we're just counting on that, Father. We're counting on you to help us 
counting on your strength, Lord. I can't do it on my own unless your Holy Spirit helps me, Lord. I can't love anybody. I can't even love myself. But through the power of your Holy Spirit, I can change everything. It's all different. Thank you for that, Jesus. We love you. Praise you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we're just so thankful for your reckless love that comes after us. Lord, I pray that your people will grow and that the love of their love for you will grow abundantly. That it will grow and grow and grow and grow and that we will look more and more like you each day until people look at us and they see Jesus. Sanctify us, Lord. Cleanse us. Fill us with your Spirit that we might love each other, that we might love others, that we might love ourselves even, Lord. That we might love you most of all. Thank you, Jesus. We need you. We need you so bad. Lord, make our church not just a, a nice place. Lord, we don't want to be a nice church. Make us a church on fire. May the Holy Spirit fire begin to burn here brightly. Begin to do something, Lord. We need you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great, great week. Take the Holy Spirit with you. Live it out. Amen.